we have seen several times in our study that who we associate with matters. Who we run with, who we spend time with, who we are around matters. The Bible tells us that. It's really a repetitive thing, a theme that we've seen in the book of Proverbs. Uh, there is good in running with the right people, and there is harm in running with the wrong people. Well, the question is, how do you know? Can you know uh, what people are truly like? And that becomes the question, if our desire is to run with the right people, how do we know the right people to run with? Now, I'll just start off tonight and tell you, I'll be honest, uh, more than once, I have been fooled. And I've thought that I've known someone, what they're like. I thought I've known what their heart is, only to be fooled. Maybe you would say the same thing as well. Well, the question is, how do we know of the character of a person? How do we know the true heart of a person? Well, tonight we're going to begin a section of warnings to heed. Now, there's a lot that we'll see in this section, but we're going to see a section of warnings that we ought to pay attention to, warnings that would help mark out for us the people to avoid, and the flip side, the people to invest in, the people to spend time with. Tonight we finish the 27th chapter. Tonight we're going to begin chapter 28. So tonight, chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. God's Word says this, The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are bold as a lion. In verse 1, here in chapter 28, we have described for us two different people. One of them is a wicked person, a godless person, a person not living according to the standard of God's word. The other is a righteous person, a right living person seeking to honor God's commands. Well, the Bible says you can see the difference in the two because the wicked flee when no one is pursuing. Now, let me explain what that means. Uh, this person, this wicked person, they are nervous. They are jumpy. The best word that I can think to describe verse 1, this person, they are a paranoid person. They're always looking over their shoulder. They think something's about to happen to them. They think someone is about to get them. Now, uh, the reason is they ought to be that way. Uh, their secret sins are all around them. Uh, their, their sinful deeds are all around them. The things that they've done, probably the lies that they have told, are always on the verge of coming out. And so as they go through life, they don't know who they told what to. They don't know what lies about to find them out. They don't know what sin is about to be revealed. And so they are a nervous person. They are a shifty person. They cannot relax. Then the Bible says the other person, the righteous person, they are the opposite of that. They are confident. They are sure. They know what they have done. They know the things that they have said. If there's been a problem, they have addressed it. They have taken care of it. And they are able to live with nothing to hide. If there was a sin problem, they went and addressed it with somebody. If there was something they needed to re repair, remedy, they took care of that. They have nothing to hide. And so as they go through life, they're able to go through it with 
confidence. The Bible says here, they're bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are bold as a lion. All right, verse two. By the transgression of a land, many are its princes, but by the understanding and knowledge, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, so it endures. Listen to verse two again. By the transgression of a land, many are its princes, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, so it endures. Verse two, I honestly have no idea what verse two is talking about. Not really. I've always wanted to say that. I want to try that out. <laughs> verse two, uh, it, it is interesting. If you go to the original language, uh, there is a better translation. The New International Version, I believe, has this better translation. You're going to see it as, it as it tags in to the translation that we have. But the, a better translation is when a country is rebellious, or when a country is sinful or wicked, it has many rulers. And that's probably a better uh, translation. By the transgression of a land, many are its princes. When a, when a country is rebellious or sinful, it has many rulers. But a man of understanding and knowledge maintains order. That's the rest of the verse in the New International Version. But a man of understanding and knowledge maintains order. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. If a nation, a country does not follow God and does not follow his standard, we're going to see a theme that goes a couple verses here. If there is a country and they do not follow God, they do not honor God, they do not follow his standards, everybody is going different ways. And there are many leaders that pop up. There are leaders, you watch those countries, and it goes through history, they come, and then they're replaced. Uh, they, they come, and then they move on. There's a leader that rises up, and then for some reason something happens, and they are gone. When this happens, there are fights over leadership. Go read the, the account of Israel. There's a leader, and then they're removed. And then there's a fight over leadership. And then there's a division over the leadership. At, at, at this point, there could be several people attempting to take leadership of the nation. Now, I want you to think about that. Does that sound familiar? We have leaders, and they come, and they go, and leaders going this way, and leaders going that way, and somebody's trying to topple another leader. Isn't that our nation? Isn't that our day? Well, the Bible says there is no stability in that. But if you find a strong, wise leader, the Bible calls them a person of understanding, a person of wisdom, there is stability. There is not a churning of leadership. There is peace. There is stability. There is structure when you find a strong leader. By the transgression of a land, many are its princes, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, so it endures. All right, verse three. <clears throat> a poor man who oppresses the lowly is like a driving rain which leaves no food. 
A poor man who oppresses the lowly is like a driving rain which leaves no food. Now, verse 3 really is the same idea. It's the same thought. Uh, the, the best Hebrew translation for a poor man is actually a poor ruler or a poor leader. That has been introduced in the verse above it. That continues in this verse. And so it's not necessarily a person that doesn't have something, but it is a ruler who is doing a poor job. And so this poor man is a poor leader or a poor ruler. Here's what they do. A, a poor ruler, they oppress the lowly. That's what the verse says. They take advantage of the lower class, uh, maybe in how they make them work, uh, maybe in how they pay them for their work, maybe in the taxes that they place on them. But they are building the success of the nation, really their own success, by the abuse of the poor. And so if you find this leader that's a poor leader, they're going to be taking advantage of a segment of people. The Bible says they are like a rain, a driving rain, which leaves no food. Now I want you to think about that picture. Rain should be good. Rain should be profitable. In the same way, a leader should be good. Having a leader should be profitable. It should be a blessing. But instead, this rain beats the plants down, breaks the plants down, strips off the fruit of the plants, and leaves them worse off. And so what should be a good thing is actually for their detriment. Well, that's what this leader is. It should be a good thing, a blessing, but it is for their detriment. It leaves them worse off. I've noticed this. I believe this. You can see the character of a leader, and I'll just go ahead and take it uh, to, a, to a bigger scope. Uh, you can see the character of a person and how they treat people that can't help them. And I think that's true of, of a leader. You want to know if a person has the quality of a leader, uh, but I think that's true of all people. You can see the character of a person and how they treat a person that can't help them. Are they kind to them? Are they considerate to them? Or are they gruff with them? Are they annoyed with them? I, I don't, can't get anything from you. You're an annoyance to me. How they treat people. A poor man who oppresses the lowly is like a driving rain which leaves no food. Verse 4. <clears throat> Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive with them. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive with them. Verse 4 says, how you use God's wisdom, how you see, really how you view God's wisdom, uh, for them it was the, the, the law of the Torah, uh, influences or decides the people that you run with. And so in their day, a person that had a high view of the law, that kept the law, that appreciated the law, that would decide the type of people that they would run with. Today we would say, if you see God's commands as good, if you see God's commands to us as his grace shown to us, if you actually believe, hey, this is the best way to live, God's given us 
the best way to live, verse 4 is saying, then you will find people who agree with that. You will find people who encourage that. So you know what? I, I see God's law, and I see it's a blessing to us. I see it's a protection for us. I see it's his grace showing us the best way to live. We're, I'm going to find people to run with that agree with that, that, that encourage that. But the flip side, and this is what we see very often, if you see God's wisdom, God's commands as oppressive or as restrictive or as robbing you of your fun, you're going to find people that have the same viewpoint. You know what? This is oppressive to me. I don't like this. This is restrictive. I can't do what I want to do. I'm being robbed of my fun. You'll find people that do the same. It says they praise the wicked. Oh, they're not that bad. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's just a little bit. Well, this, this is how it, it goes for us. You will have no conflict with worldly people if you're heading on a worldly course. That's what the verse is saying. You have a low view of God's commands. You don't think it's God's best for you. You, you are going to have no conflict with worldly people. A week or two ago, I think it was two weeks ago on Sunday night, uh, we saw that if you want to know what a person is like, see their closest friends, see their closest associations. Well, this verse uh, really echoes that. A person that has a disregard for the commands of God, they're going to find people that do the same, that say it's not that big of a deal. A person that wants to honor God, believes it's truly the best way to live, they're going to gravitate toward those people as well. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but those who keep the law strive with them. Verse 5, evil men, now this is an awesome verse for our day, <clears throat> very, a very telling, meaningful verse for our day. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all things. Very, very big. Every word is very important. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all things. Here's what the verse says. Evil people do not understand justice. Now, justice, you want to boil it down, it is right and wrong. That's what it is. The right thing, the wrong thing, uh, they do not understand that. They cannot understand that. We're going to see this. Because they have no criteria to base it on. And so this evil person, they can't understand right and wrong. They can't understand what is just or unjust because they have nothing to base it on. So what they do, they base it on the culture. What is the culture saying? They base it on popular opinion. What's everybody doing? What's everybody else saying? They base it on their own understanding. And really, they base it on their own desires. They can't understand right and wrong. They have no basis to understand it. So they say, well, whatever the culture says, whatever I feel like, that's what I'm going to determine using my criteria. They do not understand. For them, the question, is it wrong to, now fill in the blank right there. Is it wrong to abuse children? Is it wrong to try and change your gender? 
fill in the blank. They can't understand because they have no criteria for understanding. And so they go to their personal desire or the whims of the culture. The verse says this, but those who seek the Lord, that means turn to the Lord. He is our standard. His word is our plumb line. They have a basis. They have a criteria to work from. And so the Bible says they understand all things. Now I read that. That sounds like a giant scope. What? They actually understand all things? I'm going to show you. They actually understand all things. Remember the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord, seeking the Lord, turning to his word, that is the beginning of all understanding. Now here's what that means. You do not have to know all things, but what you have to know is the Lord. And that's what that's saying. I don't have to come and say, I've studied this and I've studied that and I've studied this and I've studied that and I know all things. I've come to a resolution in all things. I don't have to know all things. I have to know the Lord. And when I know the Lord, I have an answer for all things. I was thinking about that this afternoon. The study of ethics, medical ethics, just go down. There's all sorts of ethic uh, classifications, the study of ethics, that is the evaluation of each subject uh, trying to come to an ethical conclusion. What about stem cell transplants? Is that ethical? What's that based upon? What about uh, homosexual marriage? Is that ethical? What's that based upon? Uh, could get very complex in the world we're living in. That's the study of ethics. Listen, the answer is not to study the individual situations. The, the answer is to study God, to know what he is like, what he has said, what his character is, and what our character should be emulating him. It is the study of God's word that produces ethical people. I thought that's pretty awesome. Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all things. Verse 6, better is the poor who walks in integrity than he who is crooked, though he be rich. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, though he be rich. I want you to think about this, and I want you to, to consider this. We tie a lot of our assumptions about people to their level of wealth. Now, we might think we're above it, but that's what we do. That's what our, we've been trained to do. We tie our assumptions about people to their level of wealth. Now, listen, I'm not saying that's the right thing. Uh, we're going to see the opposite is true, but that is the truth. And so if you're going through the daily grind of life and you say, is that a good person? Well, that's a good person. They're a richer person. They have more stuff. That must be a better person. Is that a bad person? Well, they, maybe they're not as good. They're a poorer person. I, I think about this. It's, it's wrong, but you're driving through the neighborhood, and there's a bunch of a wealthy kids with their bicycles on the corner. And you say, hey, look at those kids over there with their bicycles. You come to another neighborhood, and there's a bunch of poor kids on the corner. And you look over and say, man, those kids must be up to no good. We base it on their wealth level. Are they smart? They must be richer. 
Are they rich? They must be smarter. Are they dumb? They must be poor. If they're, are they poor? They must be dumber. You keep going on the list. Are they worthy of my time? Well, they must be richer. They're richer. They must be worthy of my time. Are they worth me overlooking? Well, they must be poor. They have nothing to offer me. They're poor. They're worthy of my overlooking. Well, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that's not a distinction the Bible makes. The Bible says it's better to have integrity, which means to be honest, to be dependable, to be consistent and faithful. The Bible says it's better to have integrity and be poor than to be rich and be crooked, not having integrity. I, I, I thought about that this afternoon. Think about our world today. Our world, I can give you about 10 examples. Some of them probably upset you. But our world today has the idea that if a person has money, that we'll be willing to overlook a lack of integrity, Donald Trump. Did I say that? Our world says if a, if a person has money, we'll overlook a lack of integrity. Lie, cheat, steal, do other, other crazy things. And that's just one example. There's a whole lot of examples. You know, we wouldn't tolerate that. In, in our marriage relationship, we wouldn't tolerate that in our daily relationships, but for some reason we come along. The craft the guy that owns the, the Patriots during the Super Bowl, what's he to get caught in a bunch of crazy stuff? Ought to go to prison, ought to be a felon. He doesn't even get brought up on charges. If a person has money, we'll overlook a lack of integrity. I'm probably going to get two, two guys with lawyers that call me this week. God doesn't make those distinctions. God says you can be poor and have integrity. In fact, it's better to be poor and have integrity. Verse 6, better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, though he be rich. All right, verse 7. He who keeps the law is a discerning son. We're going to stop at verse 7. He who keeps the law is a discerning son. But he who is a companion of gluttons humiliates his father. All right, this is back to the person who values God's wisdom, who lives gladly according to God's commands. Now, this person, they know what God has said. They know what God has ordained. They believe it's the best way to live. And so they live gladly in accordance with the commands of God. Here's what it says. They are a discerning son. Now, what does that mean? It means they're going to be known as a wise son. Now, why does it say that? It's because they are an honor to their family. It, they are a, 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 a really a, a tip of the hat, an honor to the family that they come out of. They are a wise son. They are a prudent son. And so it builds or adds to the reputation of the home that they came out of. It honors that home. But it says this, but the companion of gluttons humiliates his father. He who keeps the laws of discerning son, but he who is a companion of gluttons humiliates his father. Now listen, what does that mean? Is that talking about people that hang out in buffets? Oh, those folks down at the Golden Crowd, their, their dads ought to be embarrassed. 
I was wondering about that, and I wanted to get to the bottom of it. And so I, I spent some time on that, on that word. The word for glutton here, it is in the Hebrew, the original language, where it shows up in the Old Testament. It is the word to shake. That is the literal word, to shake. It is a picture of a person coming undone, being shaken, rattled apart. Uh, the picture here is of a foundation. You take a foundation and an earthquake comes and they begin to, to shake and to crack and to split and to gravel. It literally translates, they become a loose or a loosened person. They become a compromised person. And so here's the picture. This is a person who knowingly rejects God's law to serve themselves, to satisfy themselves, and they become like a loosened foundation. They become compromised in their structure. The, 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 the definition said they become worthless. And that is the literal trans, translation. And so these companions, these gluttons, they do what they want to do. They choose not to control themselves. Uh, they, they choose to, to focus on the now. And they serve themselves. They serve themselves according to their appetites. Now, I looked it up. It could be in food. It could be in drink. It could be in alcohol. It could, in several places, be uh, material things. But I thought it was interesting, all of those things in this day, we're tied to status. If you had a bunch to eat and you could eat a bunch, you were wealthy. If you had a bunch to drink and you could drink a bunch, you were wealthy. If you could accumulate a lot of things, you were wealthy. And so they're serving their status. It's really a form of greed. Now that attitude could produce a gluttonous eater of meat. We see that. But at the core, this is talking about a rebellious people. Here's what it's about. Could, it could show up in, uh, in many expressions, but it's a matter of the heart. Are you serving the appetites of your sinful self or are you submitting to and walking in obedience to God? It's a matter of the heart. That's what it's talking about. When those folks are your friends, when they are your companions, wherever you're seen, if it's the golden crowd or anywhere else, your family is, your father is dishonored. Now listen to verse seven now. He who keeps the law is a discerning son and honor to his family. But he who is a companion of gluttons humiliates his father. We're gonna stop right there. I'm gonna ask if you'll stand, please. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your truth. I'm thankful for your word that speaks. And tonight we have heard your voice, your wisdom through your word. And I pray as we stand here right now that we are humble enough to submit to it, to shape, to shape ourselves with it, to be shaped by it. I pray, Lord, that we would not be foolish and ignore it. Uh, we would not be gluttonous and seek our own appetites, our own desires. Uh, but, Lord, that we would be submitting again to the good commands wisdom of God. 
And Lord, I pray the fruit of that is that there will be a people that are set apart unto you, that look different than the world, that are a witness to a Savior, to a gospel, to a truth, and that rubbing the wrong way with the world, Lord, that we stand pointing to the, the Savior that makes us new, that, that changes our hearts, that we no longer have a desire to melt in or fit in. And I pray, Lord, that you are pleased with that, that you are blessed in that, that you are known through that. Lord, we're thankful as we conclude this day that you have met with us, that you have spoken with us. Uh, I, I pray, Lord, that we leave and we are a transformed people, that we are an encouraged people, that we are an emboldened people in the things that we march into. Lord, I pray, uh, thinking about some that are sick tonight, I pray that you encourage them. I pray that you bless them. Uh, I, I pray that they feel and know your grace and your love shown to them. Lord, I, I pray for those that we will come into contact this week that do not know you. I pray, Lord, that we have a renewed boldness uh, to speak the gospel of truth of, of your grace to them, that they might receive you, knowing you and receiving you in faith. Lord, we come and we're thankful tonight for our church again. We're thankful for our homes. We're thankful for our families. We're thankful for Christian friends. Most of all, we're thankful for our Savior, Jesus. So we lift up your name. We praise you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.